This is a crowd podcast. If he came out and he tries from heaven and earth to finish the fight... Cause I wouldn't have lasted three rounds with him. Then on the pads. I wonder whether the timing might just be right for Jamel Charlo here. Charlo, as you say, coming up from light middleweight. Based on what we saw on Saturday night, do you think Caroline is, is quite close to this yet? Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. Hello, Deck. <laughs> Hello George, how are you? I'm feeling okay, I'm okay um, For the listeners who might, might not have been aware We had a little barbecue, we have a summer barbecue at the house Dad came, um, solo representation from the GGBC Producer Ross um, got his got his dates muddled up He was um, he had a hot 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 date uh, in um, somewhere or something kind of Down by the beach, coast, some sunshine The rest of the guys were in Manchester So obviously with the wind, torrential winds at the weekend I had to ship it from Saturday to Sunday Sunday messed everyone's plans up. CBS couldn't make it. London McGuigans could make it. A few others couldn't. But Deck, Deck's like, yep, I'll have that a bit of Sunday. So he made it down. What a spot, you know. Sometimes if I forget um, the success you had as a boxer and the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the riches that it brought. But uh, yeah, obviously I took my son there. He loved. You called it a climbing frame. It was more like a fort in your garden. He's like, Dad, why are we? Why haven't we got one of these? I'm like, Well, I've never won a world title, mate. You were working never, on it. Never box up. Yeah, work, we're working on it. But uh, obviously, I haven't seen your wife for uh, years. Uh, I've never met your sister, and that people are coming up to me and saying, "Oh, hi, um, I'm I'm George's sister. I'm jo- um, this and that." And I'm straight away going, "Shit, have we said anything bad about him on the pod? Am I in trouble here? Am I? Is someone going to pull me here with a bone?" Do you know to pick? who was there, Deck, and I should have introduced you to who? Marvelous Arvin Hagler. Oh fuck! When I left, I was like, "Was Arvin there?" And he was. Yeah. He, he didn't introduce. Fuck next year. Next year. <laughs> I want to know what get he weighs. Yeah, get we'll get Arvin yeah, on the we pod. We should have weighed him. But yeah, lovely. And um, you didn't do the barbecue. You though give it all the big talk in the le- the weeks leading up to it you got people in to do it yeah didn't back myself didn't back myself no 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 these guys um shout out roger roger uh, peter yeah big up roger okay. and peter pros professionals that mm. you know when you go go in you gotta go do it so um now nah, we had a we had a good time weather held up your lad came he found some bamboo sticks he said, can i take these home i was like absolutely you're doing me a favor i thought it was rubbish and then you stepped in and went well wait i have one i was like now you can have the lot i'll take them yeah I'm like fuck's <laughs> sake build so anything on the way no i've got bam- got bamboo everywhere now i actually left them in the car so there's bamboo fucking all over the car now but Lovely day. Also caught up with Dan Lawrence there. Shout out Dan Lawrence, of course, the club SNC coach. I told uh, my boy that he was the strongest man in the world. And he ran in this morning at 5am going, Dad, can Dan lift up a house? <laughs> maybe you should start doing it every week, get all the listeners down. Talking of um, maybe some listener interactions. Oh. Didn't he via the old uh, yeah. socials? Do you know what? Emails. Yeah, we've actually, we've got shitloads to get through in this episode. So let's, um, let's get stuck into it. It's obviously how about that. But before we get into looking at back and forward at boxing, we've had a good email here. Email is Club at crowdnetbook.co.uk. And Lee Grayson hit us up on the email. Hello, gents. Hello, Lee. Could you tell us how much or what percentage of your purse your cut man earn for your biggest fights? Do the top cut men in the industry earn enough to do this for a living? Kind regards, Lee. Great question. How much do the cuts men get paid, George? I'm Mick Williamson throughout my whole career. That's one of the things. It's like an industry standard for trainers, yeah. and managers. And, and that's, that's a percentage. It's always a percent. It's usually yeah. a percentage. Do you know what I mean? I always tried to pay them a little bit more than I thought everyone else was paying them. And sometimes if I had it off, if I had a big fight and I had it off, I'd give them a bigger whack. If I had a, a fight where I got cut to cut to ribbons, cut to shreds, I 
and try and treat them well. But at the same time, it's obviously relative to to what you're earning. But yeah, no, good question. It was it's one of them ones where I don't think it's always like, make you happy with that? Like, yeah, never gave too much away. If you're a good cuts man, right? You think about a deck. It's a great living. Yeah, it's, there's it's not many. Be- it'll be better than a journeyman living, right? Because you don't have to get punched in the face and you can go, if you do the small hall shows, you might go do a small hall show on a Thursday night. You might only get 50 quid for the fight because the kids, they're not earning a lot of money. But you might do 10 fights at night, so that's 500 quid. Uh, and then you go out sat- you got Friday night and you might have a couple of lads on the TV card and then you'll do a couple of lads down the card. So you might get double that. And then Saturday night, you might be there for the big fight. You might get even more. Ballpark for for a big fight. So say like a big top of the bill at the O2. A few grand for a cutsman? I think that's fair. Let's get a cutman in and get, get it from the horse's mouth. Not saying they're all horses, but you know. Now, George, one person who required a cutsman this weekend was Joshua Kelly. He actually got cut twice in a fight that he won via shutout on two of the three judges cards one of the judges I think made Corzo the other bloke uh, win three rounds which I didn't see but Kelly got cut around his left eye which had been a troublesome area for his whole career and on the bridge of his nose both from headbutts because Corzo was headbutting him a lot but the the bones of it is Josh Kelly was the winner unanimous decision in Newcastle absolutely cruise controlled it did the business one on points so first question for you, George, were you impressed? There's a lot to like about Josh Kelly, but there is bits missing. Commercially, you know, for the fight fan in the arena, is there bits missing when he steps up to another level? You know, Corzo, 18-0 record, but never boxed out of Argentina. Only got three stoppages on his record. I see one guy say... He's 225 on box rec or something. But box rec's a funny one because they they have an algorithm depending on who you've boxed. And it, in some ways, is a cleaner and clearer way to make out who's number one. But Good point. We should pause on that. Box rec's rank. I love box rec. They've, you know, it's an unbelievable tool, but the rankings are not ideal. Anyway, carry on. Wasserman have a new deal with zone. I think. I'm not sure the ins and outs of this deal, but primarily it's just been matrim putting cards on on zone. They've had their misfit shows on zone. Legitimate professional boxing feels like it's always been matching. Whereas Wasserman have showed up and they've put on a show. They've got Josh Kelly, probably their best name, UK name, and he's headlined in Newcastle. So you got that feeling now of Josh Kelly's got to make a bit of a statement. He's been a pro now for over six years. He had the blip against Avenesium, which took some time to get over, and now he's rebuilt at, at the higher weight, at light middleweight. But he's been matched well. The Troy Williamson fight was was great, but if this if he is talking about wanting to become a world champion and, and, and fight the best in the division, there's something not not quite there yet, Deck. I'll let you go first. What do you what do you think? Do you agree or do you disagree? Yeah, I, d- I did a report for Boxing Scene and um and this is like this is not disrespectful to Josh Kelly or to Adam Booth or to the team or even to Wasserman. I think he's one of our most talented boxers. He's a star he's got the full package he's got the look he can talk he can obviously he's exciting but like to be fair Corzo came and within a few rounds he was in survival mode which is always going to be hard but as I wrote like Tim Zhu for instance Costa Zhu's son who's really doing the business at that weight looks like a superstar waiting to happen Corzo wouldn't have lasted three rounds with him whereas Kelly went the distance hurt him a couple of times but never really had him going and you just think I just need a bit more and to be honest watching the whole card it's like we deserve a bit more like that was top of the bill but it was a mismatch it was target practice really Corzo nowhere near Kelly's level the chief support was at eight rounds 
rounder at heavyweight between two two guys, Steve Robinson and um, frankly Ignatius, like two solid heavyweights, but an eight round heavyweight contest as a chief support on a show like that. There was a great fight for the for the British title uh, between Kaz Ashfaq and Liam Dillon, who won it. Big shout out to Liam Dillon. Like it was a great fight, which really stole the show and saved the card because otherwise you're like, we deserve more than this. And the problem with it being on DAZN is people that like as a boxing fan, you're paying for DAZN. You're just really doing it for the boxing. If you pay for Sky, you get everything else and you get all sorts of other stuff. But really, if you want to watch boxing on DAZN, you have to stump up the cash, which is quite a lot of money these days. And you just think, I just want a bit more from that show. It's fine. Like he beat Troy Williamson, did the business. He, he can have this one if he's going into a big one next. But it's just, you know, when you sat there watching it and it's gone 11, it's like nearly half 11 at night. And you're thinking, who the fuck really is watching this? Like what casual boxing fan is going to be sitting and watching this and not turning off halfway through? He was levels above Corzo. He's super talented. He's come back in a, like well from the Avenician loss, which was hard for him. I think he looks physically good at light middle. And now he's talking about world title shots and this fight and victory in this fight. Because let's not forget, people come unstuck all the time, you know, in fights that they should win. And he hasn't come unstuck. He's absolutely pissed this fight, really. And he is st- maintains that position in the running for a world title fight. And this is where it gets interesting because we'll talk about this fight in a minute. But the champion at light middleweight, 154 pounds or super welter, whatever you want to call it, is Jamel Charlo. Jamel with the E. So he's one of the twins, the Charlo twins. There's Jamal and there's Jamel. Jamel is the undisputed champion at 154 pounds, but he's moving up to box Canelo. So we don't know what's happening to all those belts that he, that he currently holds. They may become fragmented. Maybe he's forced to vacate. I'd be surprised, but he might choose to vacate some of them. They might just become available. Maybe there's some interim belts and Kelly is hoping to be in position for those. Off what you saw George do you think Josh Kelly is ready for a world title fight in his next fight and more to the point do you think he wins one I don't put him anywhere near some of the champions out there even down to like a Tim Zhu who hasn't got there yet but you see his, his last outing where he blitz the Mexican lad Os Campo we saw the fight Kelly with Avenison that was years ago now right but he, he unraveled real quick we still haven't seen him in that sort of fight as of yet I think he was switched on against Troy Williamson he, he did the job well but he can't close the show the second wave don't come sharp enough there's no fillers in between like nothing sort of flows and marries up well and for me the showboating I'm not a fan like I've never really been a fan of showboating if you're the two best fighters in the world fighting each other and one wants to try and mug the other one off with showboating great but if you're not it better be something spectacular and the showboating gets to that point where in the last round if he came out and he tries from heaven and earth to finish the fight then you're like okay but he doesn't like it's almost like he's killing the clock and that's if you're against a guy who's never fought out of his own country he's only got three stoppages on his record why are you not trying to put this guy away blast this guy out because otherwise people won't be there to see the final round. People would have left. It's easy to sound negative, isn't it, when you watch a fight? And to be fair, afterwards, it was like the interview was flat. Afterwards, it's like everyone's a bit disappointed. And Callis Sowland's like, come on, he's just won. And this guy was eighth in the world and stuff. And you sort of think, well, he's not eighth in the world for a start. But it says a lot that people weren't screaming and and dancing and that. It's like, okay, we won, but there's all this. And that's what it is. It's not about being negative or trying to have a pop at anyone. It's about he's a talented bloke. And it's like, we want to see a bit more 
more from that. And I feel like, I don't know, what do you think, George? Do you think this is someone who has that little bit of fear in them when the pressure's on, the heat is on, and it's not just some bloke that they can beat up? Will we see the better? A bit like the Troy Williamson fight where people were saying Williamson's going to stop him and he produced a fantastic display. Do you think in a big fight against someone who poses a threat, that's when we get the best of Josh Kelly? I mean, up until the Avenesian fight, you think, oh, he's an, he's an on-top fighter. And when he's on top, he's okay. He was on top, I haven't eaten the first couple of rounds, but then it quickly came on top of him. I mean, they're talking about Kel Brook. I don't think that's a good fight for Kel Brook. Obviously, he's way past his best. He's, you know, that's that's not the right fight. A few years ago, if you say, I think Conor Ben beats Josh Kelly, people would like laugh at you. Now you're like, well, I've seen Ben on the pads. He looks ferocious. Like if Liam Smith decides to come down to like middle again, it's night and day. Afterwards, so that then the attention turns to who he might box next. And like I said, the the sort of the world titles might become fragmented. I think he's two with the WBO, and I think Tim Zhu might be like an interim champion at, at WBO. I'd have to check that, but he's right up there. So like maybe that's a fight that they can make, but they they're not really asking for that necessarily. But he, he mentioned Conor Ben, he mentioned Chris Eubank and Kel Brook. So straight away you're sort of thinking, well, Eubank and Ben, neither of them are light middleweights, and Kel Brook's retired. So you're like, what is the plan here? So I'm. Look at hoping for a big one next, but um, well, let's see. We should point out, by the way, with Josh Kelly, and this is all he's all he's spoken openly about this. It's quite mad when before the Avenesian fight, I believe it was before, yeah, before then or earlier on in his career, he suffered from what he's calling chronic hypochondria. Obviously, we know what a hypochondriac means, and that comes from this condition where you're petrified of getting sick or you think you know you think you're going to get sick. He said at the wor- at worst time, he was so scared of getting sick that he was taking antibiotics for no reason, he was just banging them. He said just to sleep he was having to drink whiskey just to get him through the night to sleep so like he's battled some problems in his career he has been sort of painted as this sort of show pony who's come through GB and went to the Olympics etc etc but he's had some real struggles and I think he's built for it it's just like I want to see him in a fight where he can he can prove that Troy Williamson fight was a good start now I think the next one is going to be the big one but let's just stick on this division before we have a break we mentioned there Charlo Jamel Charlo stepping up to box Canelo for his undisputed titles Jamel Charlo George the lighter of the twins everyone thought this was going to be Jamal Charlo the middleweight who was going to get the shot and then when all the release came out it was Jamel it was like have they just done a typo here is this is this correct but it is because he's going up from 154 so he's, he's jumping up a stone in weight he's giving away a stone essentially I just don't see how he can turn that around as in utilize that size in this era this sort of weight division it's not like you can be quick enough because you're small enough I don't know I, I think I mean he's, he's an exceptional fighter but I, up at super middleweight I can't really give him too much of a thing I mean the Charlos were talked about wasn't it so mm. it felt like it was Canelo v Charlo coming up just this not this this yeah. brother <laughs> we, we thought it was going to be Jamal because Jamal was the middleweight I think he's the WBC champion the idea was that they would box a middleweight one day and, and Jamal was always said Canelo's ducked him and then he'd gone up to supermate and done his uh, super middleweight and done his thing my feeling here one we know that Canelo's not a massive not a vast super middleweight like he's you know these guys were but I think it was 2015 2016 sort of time they were both 154 pounders like they're not wildly different in size we know Obviously, Char- Jamal Charlo, his twin brother, is a beast at middleweight. So you have to assume Jamal's going to be a beast as well. Now he hasn't got a boil down. We don't know what Canelo's got left. Is he slowing down? John Ryder, the last man to share a ring with him, says he thinks Canelo is slowing down. He said he would have stopped me in his heyday. He couldn't get him out of there. He dropped him. He broke his nose. Couldn't get him out of there. 
I wonder whether the timing might just be right for Jamel Charlo here. Top of his game, won all the belts at light middle, had some big, big wins. I just wonder. I just wonder whether this might be the one where Canelo kind of comes unstuck. Obviously, he had against Bivol in that in that fight, but that was really just a size thing and a, and a game plan that you just couldn't get beyond that. But in a firefight, I wonder whether Jamel can can hold his own and maybe come out on top. I think it's going to be a fascinating fight, and I'm really when it kept, you know to think the undisputed super middleweight champion who is sort of one of the best in the world pound for pound is taking on the light middleweight champion. You think, oh, really? Like what? That's no good for anyone. But I've just got a feeling. I've got a feeling it might actually be far closer than the sort of, than the the paper might suggest. Charlo, as you say, coming up from light middleweight, he is used to everything just moving a little bit quicker. The guys in front of him being a little bit sharper. The punches flying at him a bit quicker. And it might just be that change of pace that Canelo might struggle with. Do you think Charlo 100% is backing himself in this fight? He, he thinks he's the one to get him you know he's got all the belts at line middleweight I'm sure plenty of decent fights big fights to make you know you're not going to fight the biggest name in world boxing if it's not Canelo but still he's earning a good living do you really want to risk it all going up two divisions to but there we go. He must He must really, really back himself. Give us an early prediction. We'll probably, I think I might be going to this one. We'll have a chat about it nearer the time, but early prediction, what's your What's your gut saying? I was going to say, Canelo, I just think when you're the A side and you're the, he's still the A side, you think he's up and he's rock solid at super middleweight. So I think him, I'm waiting for someone to um, sort of enlighten me with a bit more, a few mm. more facts. Okay, fair enough. Well, that fight's September 30th, so we've got a few weeks to really let that one marinate and, and get into it and see the build-up as well because, yeah, you've got to think Canelo points looks like the obvious pick here but it's got a funny feeling anyway let's have a breather there we've got another we got another show we want to look back on and then perhaps the fight of the year as well we're going to have a quick look at that but let's have a break first Right, George, we're back in business. Um, just a little quick trip over to Detroit, the Masonic Temple. I love that name for a venue. We're not going to dwell too much on the main event. It was Alicia Baumgardner. She beat Christina Linadatu. It's got revenge against the only person who had ever beaten her. Looked great in doing so. I wanted to ask about Baumgardner. So she, after the fight, she called out Katie Taylor, called out Chantal Cameron. You know, these are the people she wants. I just wanted to I wanted to ask, where, how far or how close do you think Caroline Dubois is from the conversation with these top, top names in the division in women's sport. Do you feel like, based on what we saw on Saturday night, do you think Caroline is is quite close to this yet? Caroline's plan is one fight and then fight whoever. It's like, and that one fight, she wants it to be Michaela Meyer. They want it to be a, a big fight, a decent fight, a, a name. And there ain't many names in women's boxing, obviously. So I think so. You move lightning fast in, in women's boxing. They don't have that depth of you know fighters. So I think it makes sense that Caroline would want to be up there and in there sooner rather than later. Last time out, she had the fight at your call. She said she was a bit frustrated. She couldn't get rid of the girl in front of her, but um, she would have gained the rounds, the experience al- along the journey. And I remember saying to her in the change room after, no one's going to look back on your career and talk about tonight. Not because tonight was bad, but just because... You don't, you know. You know, I think I think she's not far off the mix. Deck, how about you? What are you thinking? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the the breadth or the the depth of talent in women's boxing because that is basically true, apart from really at lightweight, because we have got Baumgartner, Maya, 
Taylor, Cameron. It's it's a stacked division, like by far the strongest in the sport. Caroline wants to fight Michaela Meyer. That's a that's the one that she wants most. And she talked about that when we spoke to her. Her and Baumgartner, there was nothing between them. So, you know, there's no reason why I wouldn't put Caroline in with one of those two before the end of the year. The problem I think she's going to have is that who wants to fight her? Who's going to want to fight her? Because very early on in her career, she knocks people out. In America, it's not like, oh, it's just a big name. So it's huge risk and not much reward for these people. So, I mean, Shane is pulling the strings, so I'm sure that they have a plan and a strategy for that. But it's going to be really, like, it's going to be really hard for them to secure a fight as a Southport, a puncher against these people who want to fight each other because they want the big fights, the big events against Maya and against Taylor and against Cameron, etc. It's like, why would they break away to give someone like Caroline Dubois an opportunity? I'm not sure it comes straight away, but... 10 twos for the unified super featherweight titles. So super feather, lightweight. Caroline is in the mix kind of around that weight. We know that she's beaten already. She's beaten Linodato at the weekend. She beat Michaela Meyer. She stopped Terry Harper in four. Since she lost to Linodato back in 2018, she's just gone on this run and she's one of the most improved in the sport in the women's game. And she's a massive name with a massive draw. So you think, is she going to give Dubois an opportunity? We hope so. We hope so. Um, and we'll see what happens with Taylor and Cameron as well. Looks like November's a date for them back in Dublin. So again, everything will become a bit clearer once that rematch is out of the way. We see what Taylor does. We see what Cameron does. Um, on the undercard there, George, I want to just talk about Andy Cruz for a sec. Andy Cruz, one of the greatest... Cuban amateurs of all time absolute like maybe one of the best amateurs of all time uh, made his professional debut Eddie Hearn said he he actually s- announced this signing in Guadalajara ringside before just for um, Ryder Canelo and he said this might might be the biggest sign he ever made he made his professional debut on the undercard against Juan Carlos Burgos he went 10 rounds he, he looked really good doing it do you think Andy Cruz is going to be a success in the professionals he's coming in for a 10 rounder on championship weight lightweight with a gatekeeper for the division who's got stellar names on his on his record so I don't always trust the promoters to know talent you know they don't you know that it's a numbers game with some of them guys um, don't trust the trainers sometimes because they might just be trying to sell sell their fighter or, or they're just a little bit in the honeymoon phase of working with a new fighter but this this guy I think he's legit man I think he's I think he is legit more pressing though it's, it's upon us finally is perhaps the best fight of the year and that is is Stephen Fulton, the WBC, WBO world super bantamweight champion who's defending those belts finally against Naoya Inoue who has moved up from bantamweight. The fight was postponed because of an injury but it's finally upon us and it's happening, George. Tuesday next week, lunchtime because it's in Japan. Both undefeated and you get to have it for lunch on a Tuesday. What more could you want? I've always been starstruck by Inoue. Seeing him boxing a world boxing super series which obviously I went in the first year he's in the second year so I kept an eye out you know, it's like, what is this guy? Who is this guy? And now he's up. He's up at super bantamweight. You know, he's got 20, 21 knockouts out of 24. Last time out, he boxed Paul Butler, who is a is a brilliant fighter, Paul Butler. Fulton is obviously a class act as well. The fight's in Japan. What do you make of this? I think that's important, Dave. If you're picking, I mean, if I'm picking Fulton to win, which I, I kind of have been, 
you're thinking he probably won't stop in Inoue. So it's like, then is he going to get a decision out there? I, it's, I don't know. I don't know. We, we don't see enough over there in terms of Inoue fights because he chins everyone. He, it's not like, oh, he's going to get a decision. It says a lot about Fulton that he's like, fuck it. Yeah, I'm the champion, but I'll go and defend my belts belts over there. Do you think there's an advantage for Inoue though, just because it's home turf and it's home comforts? Yeah. He's, I mean, he always boxes in, in Japan. You know, Notoriously, Americans aren't particularly that good at traveling. You know, the Americans that come to the UK sometimes fall apart. It's going to be a massive culture shock going to Japan. Do you know what I mean? Like, imagine if you're a fighter and you get out there and what's the, I don't know what the temperature is going to be like out there. What's the humidity like? What's the food going to be like compared to what he's used to in back home? It's totally different sort of mindset if no one sort of speaks English, if that makes sense. You know, if you're if you're Paul Butler and no one speaks English, but you're like, well, I'm I'm not the champion. I'm going out to someone else's backyard. You know, Fulton is the champion. He's going out there. He's had to go into the Lions Den as such with a monster puncher. He has a good ability to land the shots. He's not that awkward sort of puncher who it takes him six rounds to, to land something, but when it does go, it it might take your head off. So if you're going to go Fulton, I'm going to go a new age just so that we can have a we can have a, a little side bet. This is how good he is. In only his sixth fight, he won the WBC World Light Flyweight title. So you're talking light fly, it's gone fly, super fly, bantam, super bantam. He's five divisions higher at those smaller weights. The, the jumps are much smaller there, three pounds, four pounds, something like that. But he's still gone up five divisions. And we history show, shows us you can't just keep going up and up and up and chinning everyone. You can't. It doesn't happen. Like you get to a point where you're like, oh, it doesn't work anymore. Or at least the other bloke's bigger than me now and it makes a difference. Like we saw it with Lomachenko against Teofimo Lopez. Different sort of fight, but we saw it in that sort of... Roberto Duran against Tommy Hearns. You know, these things happen. But he is still one of the best punchers in the world. Maybe pound for pound number one puncher. Maybe pound for pound number one fighter in the world in New way. I think if he wins this fight, goes up to Super Bantam, having unified at Bantam, moves up in his first fight, wins WBC and WBO titles at Super Bantam. I think he has to be the number one in the world. Number one pound for pound, no questions. But I just feel you get caught out moving up through the divisions and he's five divisions up against Fulton, who is very slick. He's been hurt before though, so it's not like he's totally elusive but he's slick I think he's clever enough to nullify Inoue for most of it I feel like it's a fight where there'll be a couple of moments where Fulton's in trouble and it's will he get knocked out at that point or will he make it through and I think if he makes it through he has a very reasonable chance of winning this fight on points but yeah I can't wait for it so Tuesday let's do that we'll watch it Tuesday and we'll do a we'll do a pod talking about it of course we've got regular programming Wednesday but before any of that George what can we ask people to do what favour will we like them to do become an elite club member join us become an elite club member by hitting the follow button in your podcast app if we get more names bigger following more audience more merch new merch new merch baby it's the, the hats have landed yeah and, and new A's getting a cap sent to him but yeah you can get the caps on the, on the merch site that's on the link tree which you can find on our Twitter it also has our playlist the ring walk which is on Spotify if you've got any songs you want to put on say people know what their ring walk song is George how can they how can they convey that to us they're just going to have to send it in a letter or is it a more efficient way you can reach us via the socials the socials are GG Boxing Club on Instagram Twitter TikTok email us at ggboxingclub at crowdnetwork.co.uk but yeah if you get a question or a comment or anything like that across to us you might just have time for us to read it out on Wednesday George because we're back aren't we who we got we are back Wednesday we have none other than a cruiserweight contender in Ellis Zorro 
he's going to tell us about what it's like being a cruiserweight in this day and age in a packed cruiserweight division. And not just that deck, I'm going to see Wednesday, but I'm also, we're going to see each other Friday. It's a three pod week. We're going on location to Jab Boxing Club in the heart of London, the capital, our fair city. And we've got a bonus pod for Friday coming up. So yeah, this is just one of three, George. So I'll see you Wednesday and then I'll see you Friday. Yes, so I'll see you. Have you got any um, any meat left over? No, it's all gone. Me and oh, the dog ate it. Didn't even get a sandwich for Wednesday. All right, mate, I'll bring the, uh, I'll bring the Sani. See you Wednesday. Wednesday.